G'day, welcome to Partakers and to our series, Easter 2012. Today is Tuesday. Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that, that Jesus, the living word, is revealed in your written word, the Bible. Thank you that we have the very words of the Son of God for us to understand and act and live. We thank you for his teaching ministry. And as we come tonight to look at the final teaching before he goes to the cross, that we would listen with attentive ears and hearts to what you would teach us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. We continue to look at different aspects of Jesus' final week. Uh, According to the plan I revealed last night, we were going to hear about Jesus' last prayers tonight. However, that will now be tomorrow. Instead, we are going to look at Jesus' last teaching before he goes to the cross to die. John chapter 16, verses 5 to 7. Jesus is speaking. But now I am going back to the Father who sent me. And none of you ask me where I am going? You are very sad from hearing all of this. But I tell you that I am going to do what is best for you. That is why I am going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I am gone, I will send the Spirit to you. In these last few chapters, particularly in the Gospel of John, before he is crucified, Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples and giving them some final teaching before he departs. Several times he has told them he is going away. John 13 verse 33, John 14 verses 3 to 4, verse 19 and verse 28. And today we are going to go quickly through John chapter 15 and 16 and reflect upon this section of his final teaching session before he is arrested, betrayed, condemned and crucified. Of course, everything Jesus did in his earthly ministry was a lesson to be learnt. And there are other events such as Peter's denials and subsequent repentance where we can also learn lessons. But these two chapters are Jesus' final active session of teaching his disciples. So what does he teach them? Firstly, he teaches them that disciples must bear fruit for the kingdom. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 16. In verses 1 and 2, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. As usual, Jesus uses Old Testament language, for in the Old Testament the nation of Israel is often seen and referred to as a vine. For example, Psalm 80 or Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 21. However, as a vine, Israel, the nation of Israel, had not produced fruit that God had expected, as explained in Isaiah chapter 5 verses 1 to 2. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. 
My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. With Jesus describing himself as the true vine, the implication is clear that the nation of Israel was but an imperfect precursor to his perfect self. With Jesus as the vine, all believers are the branches, and all believers draw spiritual nourishment from him. As part of this nourishment, sometimes pruning is required, as we've just read. Cleansing is also required in order that fruit be born from the Christian disciple. This cleansing is through regular confession of sin and by partaking of Holy Communion as explained in the foot washing scene of John 13. To prove to others they are his followers and his disciples, Jesus tells them they are to continue loving him and also to sacrificially love others joyfully. By doing these things, which is now their mission statement, they will bear much good fruit for God's greater glory. The same is true of us today, if we call ourselves the disciples of Jesus Christ. And secondly, disciples, Christian disciples, will suffer for the kingdom. John 15 verses 18 to 27. In verse 18 of chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, Jesus speaking, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Having spoken of love and bearing fruit, Jesus now declares a warning and the context into which he is sending them. We learn from this passage that opposition to Jesus' message is unavoidable. The first opposition is that of the old nature attacking the new nature. Christian disciples, Jesus said, were called out from the world. Christian disciples, upon conversion, belong to a different place and are heading for a different place. Secondly, opposition is to be expected simply because of who Jesus is. Verse 21 of chapter 15 in the Gospel of John. Christian disciples share in the life of Jesus and the way the world treats Jesus is the way the world treats all his disciples. Thirdly, opposition comes through revealing evil. Jesus, as we know, is the light of the world, exposed evil and sin through his words, John 15, verse 22, and his works, John 15, verse 24. At the beginning of his ministry, in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, Jesus commanded all those who follow him to also be lights of the world. And this is done by consistently ensuring that our works and our words match our lifestyle and that no hypocrisy will be found. Opposition brings persecution and regularly throughout history, Christian believers and disciples have been persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. In our own time, perhaps the most persecuted century of all, being a Christian is not an easy decision, but it is worth it. It is also endurable because of three things. God still remains Lord God despite all. 
we share in Jesus' own sufferings and therefore have fellowship with him. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 And by being persecuted, it shows that we belong to him. John 15 verse 19 The main reason all opposition, opposition can be endured is because the Christian disciple is not alone. God the Holy Spirit witnesses with the Christian disciple. John 15 verse 26 not as a supplementary person filling a perfunctory role, but rather as the pioneer going out to testify about Jesus Christ ahead of the Christian disciple. John 15 verses 26 to 27. And thirdly, the disciples will have resources in the kingdom. The first resource that the Christian disciple have is, as we have already seen, the Holy Spirit. After all, he is the real evangelist. In conjunction with him, the Christian disciple has three resources to use. Proclamation, counselling and discipling. Firstly, proclaiming. John 16 verses 1 to 7. This is the proclaiming and elucidating work about Jesus that the Holy Spirit performs. The Spirit testifies about Jesus' death on the cross and subsequent resurrection. If Jesus did not go back to glory and the Holy Spirit was not sent, then the pioneering work of the Holy Spirit would be missing from evangelism and mission. Not only does the Holy Spirit direct people to Jesus, but he takes them to him and counselling John 16 verses 8 to 11. As well as proclaiming about Jesus, the Holy Spirit speaks to people's hearts personally, one to one, intimately. This signifies the, the intimacy between the Holy God and the believer. The Holy Spirit convinces people, hearing of God's word of three things, their own sin, John 16 verse 8, their separation from a holy and righteous God, John 16 verse 10 and also in regards to the judgment of Satan and all those who follow him actively or inactively John 16 verse 11 in these three things a person is led to the cross of Christ in order to confess their sin and the need of Jesus Christ in their life and the salvation only he can and is able to provide then there's discipling John 16 verses 12 to 16 Once brought to faith the Holy Spirit performs several tasks for the twelve disciples He will guide them into all truth and develop what is coming in the future John 16 verse 13 The New Testament is the product of this work and that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit For the Christian disciple today the Holy Spirit helps them to apply the Bible to their life in order that Jesus Christ is glorified. John 16 verse 14 That's the first resource. The second resource available to the Christian is Jesus himself, Jesus' presence, Jesus' provision, and Jesus' position. His presence, John 16 verse 16 to 33 Yes, his very presence, Jesus Christ, the majestic Son of God. 
The twelve disciples will experience sorrow and loss when Jesus is crucified and dead. But after the resurrection, their sorrow will turn to great joy, similar to the exceeding joy after the pains of childbirth. Christian disciples today also have Jesus' present with them, particularly when engaged in doing the work of an evangelist. Then there's provision, not only his presence, but also his provision he provides through answered prayer. Joy abounds, John 16, verse 24. Prayer is going to be of prime importance for the twelve disciples, as it is a way to ensure unabated joy, joy even amidst suffering and trouble. Then finally, not only his presence and his provision, but also look at his position. Jesus, according to John 16, verse 33, has overcome the world, and nothing can prevail against him. If you are with Jesus Christ, nothing will prevent prevail against him, and he will protect you, provide for you, and be with you in all you do, as you submit yourself to him. Whether in the bad times or the good times, Jesus will be with you, but you do need to ask him to be with you and rely on him fully. If you are going through bad times now and you don't know this Jesus yet, then ask him to be with you. What have you got to lose? As a final note, please do pray for my voice. You will have noticed that it is uh, getting lost. That's because I have some form of, of cold or a sore throat and I would value your prayers so that we can get through Holy Week together. Thank you. Thank you.